Welcome back, product guys. This is Tim Hu. Rob, welcome back. Hey, happy Saturday. It's going to be a great session today, I can tell. For sure. Always a good session when you've got the original product guys, Rob and Tim. And we're going to kick it off by just putting setting the stage. So how many of you have, of our listeners, how many of you have ever started a new job as a product manager Hopefully, either you're aspiring to do that or you've done that at some point if you're listening to our podcast or you know someone that's done that. So if you're a product manager and you just started a new job, chances are there was already a project, an initiative that has kicked off and it's in some phase and you're jumping on and you have to, as the product manager, take it over. Maybe that's why your job was created is that there was this initiative, this product, this feature, and you were hired to take it to the finish line. Well, what do you do at that point? Right? And so for us, the product guys, we're calling that product development out of order. And that's the name of this episode. And we want to teach you exactly what you need to do in that scenario. If you are developing a product that's already or developing a feature, you're in product development that's already in flight, right? And so the same thing when you maybe someone leaves and you need to take over an initiative, likely there has already been work done to that point. And you as the product manager now need to come in and fulfill the rest of it, execute on it, take it through the, take it through the stages of the product development life cycle, measure it, improve it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So first I'm going to start off by defining what, the scope of the work is, right? So maybe when I say project, it's you're, you're building a feature from the ground up or you're building a product from the ground up, right? That's like an initiative that you potentially could have taken over. It's, it's like a, a, a piece of work that has a deliverable and hopefully a problem to solve at the beginning, right? So that's kind of our definition of project. And then the second thing I wanna clearly define is product development lifecycle. For Rob and I, when we talk about that, PDLC, Product Development Lifecycle, we're, we're essentially talking about the frameworks and the steps of developing something as a product person. And so that means the first phase is discovery, figuring out what the problem is, design, actually solving, coming up with something and a solution that can address that specific problem identified in discovery, implementation to actually build it. And then the future phases are after you've implemented it, you want to do feedback gathering, testing, and then with feedback gathering and testing, you have your results and your outcomes. You want to take that and further iterate, think about how you want to improve, and then end up right back in discovery and say, have we solved the problem? We haven't. Continue to iterate. That's why it's product development life cycle. So that's PDLC, or that's the kind of cycle in the framework that Rob and I will be talking about. And so... If you are a product manager developing out of order, the thing that we would first recommend that you do is understand that people are already doing their jobs. People are already out there, already kind of building on things. They're already maybe in implementation phase. Figure out what phase the team is in. Are they still trying to figure out what the question is, what the problem is that they're trying to solve? Are they already building something? 
figure out what phase the entire team is in and what they're doing at that point in time when you've jumped on. Your first mission when you're, when you're the product manager in developing uh, a product out of order is really to learn, to understand. Seek, first, seek to understand, right? There's that Dale Carnegie again. Is, Rob, is that Dale Carnegie? No. It, Seven it comes, Habits? <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, it comes from a lot of different sources, right? Uh, there's, you know, spiritual uh, uh, sort of axioms around it and all sorts of other things. But yeah, understanding is definitely the first stage there. Absolutely. So yeah, first seek to understand, uh, try it in true methodology, understand, understand the, the grounds in which you're playing in. And after you're able to loosely identify what stage of the development life cycle you're in, understand that you should not, in most cases, tell everyone to stop what they're doing so that you can um, go back to your product development life cycle and define anything that's missing. You have to let the people continue on their work. If they need direction, do your best to provide some sort of direction as to what the team needs to do next, but do not slow them down um, unless, unless you know you, you look around and you're like, yeah, we need to slow down, we need to stop. So use your best judgment there. That's why they pay you, the product guy, the big bucks, hopefully. Um, don't slow them down. Try to recognize which phase you're in. And then you as the product person should in parallel go back and assess whether or not the steps of the product development life cycle, the prior steps, which are foundational, have been, uh, have been kind of carried out successfully. Because don't assume the fact that you jump on a project and people are building that they've discovered appropriately, that they've identified a problem. Don't assume that. More often than not, organizations that are not disciplined in product management will define a solution and then backfill a question. And when you do that, you can certainly end up uh, executing on an inappropriate solution because people will then go, okay, I'm building this. Why the hell am I building this? What am I doing this for? You'll see that a lot. And when you recognize that, that's you, product guy coming in, or product gal, um, the product person coming in and going, Okay, well, we didn't do the foundational things. We didn't do discovery. So make sure you're going back. Don't assume discovery was done. Don't assume the problem was well-defined. And, and go back and do that discovery. See if you can identify the problem that they're trying to solve. Do both. Identify the problem that the, the company actually needs to solve. And then the problem that people are actually on track to solving. Oftentimes, unsuccessful initiatives, unsuccessful projects will have very different, th those two problems will be very different. They do not align. And that is why things are unsuccessful, right? Um, your company actually needs to solve problem whatever, but in reality, they're actually solving something else entirely different. They don't align, project ends up not being super successful. All right. Um, and then I'm doing a little pause here. Rob, what do you think, man? Any, any thoughts around that? Tons of thoughts. I think, first of all, great summary of kind of where to go. I would start off at the very beginning, right? It's, it's better to understand than to be understood, which is the first thing that that quote brings to mind, right? So you're the product person, you're coming in. If you're coming in, that's, that's change, right? And whether it's change because it's positive, someone got promoted or the project has been sort of elevated in importance, or, you know, just that the team is expanding or the work is more urgent or whatever, you're in the midst of change. 
And I would say the flywheel is super important, but also making sure that you're keeping track of all of these things is going to be absolutely critical because, you know, development, let's assume you need technology development. They might be in one stage where they're ready to build and ready to go. Operations might not necessarily be there. Marketing might not necessarily be there. If you're new to the company or the department or what have you, you might not even know who your stakeholders are. So, you know, I would kind of look first at yourself as a product manager. What are your strengths, right? As you're kind of coming in because you're, you know, you've got to kind of buckle down and get this stuff done. If you're more of a relationship person, know that. If you're more of a data person, know that. If you're more of a, um, you know, process person and less of an outcome person, just think about that. It doesn't need to be very long. Then as you're evaluating these things, we're going to get into tips and tricks and tools in terms of how you can constantly evaluate where things are. But I think it's also good to kind of list out the tools that you're very comfortable with or some that you want to try, um, understand what the teams are already using, and then go from there. So a lot of companies, for instance, now are in the middle of an agile transformation. But being in the middle of an agile transformation or a product transformation or a digital transformation or whatever, you're transforming the companies between two different things, right? So really figuring out what people are comfortable with and what tools are appropriate um, or versus what's kind of comfortable for the group, super important. Because again, if you're going to get into that design discovery phase, this is striking while the iron is hot. You don't want to over-index on your personal power and come in and tell this organization where Tim pointed out that people already know what they're doing and how to do it. Like you don't want to come in and gum up the works by doing that and slow them down. But it's a great time to say, Hey, while we're caught up, are all these, are all these OKRs clear? Do they all make sense? Are they all achievable? And just ask the really basic questions that might make you feel dumb. Um, but, you know, again, as a new product person, if you're going to come in and help the team, I think, those are some of the foundational discovery bits. And oftentimes I see people leap to how do I get this done as opposed to should we get this done? Is everyone expecting us to get this done? Does this, to Tim's earlier point, meet the OKR, KPI, and time frame that we're really looking for? Or is this all on the prioritization list? All of these things are normal and natural. But uh, I think, you know, I close with the idea that like coming in just bringing in a product manager is itself a change and it's a great time to use that change to your advantage just to bring in some sense of really what is the product and what is it supposed to deliver for our, our clients and customers. Like that conversation is, is golden. You really have a limited window to have people reevaluate whether or not you're doing the right thing. So it's really hard to maximize that window on a go forward basis because people will sort of naturally slide into the execution mode and out of the discovery phase. 100%. Do, Rob, 100%. And I, I just want to highlight what Rob said here about play to your strengths. You should know what your strengths are. Hopefully you do. Um, and, and, and play to those things because you don't want to go and being new to a project or new to a company start going off and doing things that you're not super comfortable with. Make sure you're putting your best foot forward and thinking about are you a relationship person? Are you a process person? And 
and really flexing those muscles to build that credibility. That This is a callback to our influence series. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check that out. But yeah, build that credibility so that, honestly, people trust you to do your job and people trust you to lead them, all right? And Rob is a veteran in the business world, in the software world. When product guys talk, we're talking about software product development. So here's a little bit of a scope there for you as well. And so we're, we're going to link all the we're going to link some definitions and some articles around flywheel and OKR. Eventually you're going to see those topics come up on our podcast. But uh, before we kind of get right into the tactics, I just, I want to cover one last thing. It's a, it's a common pitfall of product development out of order. If you're, if you're coming in and you have to go back to earlier stages in the product development life cycle and you, you want to redo discovery, you want to re evaluate what the problems are, you may want to go and talk to your stakeholders, do some stakeholder interview, maybe read through the customer interviews. If you're a B2C type of product and company, go ahead and kind of get that primary source, like read the, read the original source data. The one concern though, again, pitfall, don't get caught up in, in that rabbit hole and then just spend days and days and weeks trying to trying to complete discovery. Give yourself, give yourself a clear endpoint. Say, this is when I will stop the discovery phase. Set that up early on so that you're not just spinning your wheels here and doing discovery over and over. Like, oh, this is the problem. No, this is the wrong problem. You can always come back. You can always come back. You can always come back and uh, re reevaluate, right? That's why it's a development life cycle. But you as the product person should be very crisp and clear about, hey, if I'm in implementation stage, I should be able to go back and define, all right, what was the discovery at this point? Or what should it be if it's missing? Design. You know, if there's no clear design of what that solution is, see if you can document that. Don't, don't you know, fall into that pitfall where you're just spinning your wheels and just spending hours and hours, days and days doing that over and over. You can always come back. So that brings us to our first tactic, which is how do we, like what are specific tactics of product development out of order. How do we solve some of these problems? First thing, this is a Rob thing. I think Rob brought this up, our, our retros. Take the opportunity of bookends and projects to really, I guess, share out what you've discovered in earlier phases. Set the stage. Get on that soapbox and talk about product development life cycle. Introduce people to that. Not everyone knows about product development life cycle. All right? Um, use retros. Use like, Sprint reviews or QBRs, quarterly business reviews, demos. Take those platforms and share out the knowledge that you've acquired. Share out status. Share out what you've learned or discovered by going back to discovery phase or design phase. And um, use those opportunities to share what you've learned. Rob, this was, uh, this was your thoughts. So any, any add-ons to this tactic here? Yeah, just so, you know, governments use coding to figure out who gets to see what, right? So um, I would make sure that the material that you're generating, right, is enough for you, is enough for the product team, is enough for the development team. Just cater the material. Like, I'm all for transparency wherever possible. But, um, you know, as you're going through the retro, just make sure that you're maximizing people's time. Um, I would say, especially as a new product person, 
make sure that your items are big and visible and what you're doing. It's really easy to go into a team and say, okay, I hear you, or take this retro item, and then not show any progress on those items because you're not a part of the quote-unquote sprint or the delivery process, whatever. Be transparent about that and make sure that there's a way to read out what you are doing because, again, you're, this is a, a game of trust. Trust is your only currency here. So make sure that people can see there's movement. Also, um, kind of going back to what we were talking about a little bit, figure out what your your workload looks like. Like you're not going to just be in design. You're going to be in networking mode to figure out what's going on, documentation mode to figure out what's going on, research mode um, on the product or in the industry or whatever. I would have your stuff ready and organized in a way that's similar to the team's delivery so that when you get to the retro, you're prepared, right? Like nobody, um, you know, people might forgive you the first, first time if you don't, if you're asking for basic understanding of acronyms or whatever, but like the second time I would just write them in the margins or go to, you know, the, the, some sort of acronym finder or whatever, like understand what people are talking about. And people like to tell their story up to an extent, but don't make them repeat themselves. Really dig into the language and um, like don't over index on any one topic associated with getting up to speed on product out of order. That way the retros are very effective for you. Absolutely. And Rob kind of brought up something I, I want to replay back as well is just, just general how you might best tackle these issues is remember by going back and looking at earlier product development lifecycle things like discovery and design or implementation, whatever, by going back, you're, this is almost extracurricular. It's foundational, but no one is expecting you to do this because honestly, if they were expecting it, they may have already done it, right? It, it would be the best case scenario if you were the product person brought on and specifically instructed to go back and revisit and fill in the gaps for product development lifecycle. You know, if that happens, you've got a great manager, you've got a great leader pointing you in the right direction, but oftentimes that doesn't happen. So what, what I think Rob is also touching on is that make sure you're meeting the expectations of your core job first. If people expect you to do briefs or, something and go in and fill in some documentation first and your boss is telling you to do that, make sure you check that box and get that done first before you go through and do these things for product development uh, out of order. These things that we talk about, we believe will make your life better and make the initiative and the project go more smoothly. But again, no one is expecting you to do this. They do have other expectations. Make sure you meet those expectations first. Um, you know, and use your best judgment, right? How much you, how, how much time you spend on those expectations, whether they're realistic and honestly impactful. I use your expect, use your best judgment, but um, you don't want to go and do all these things. And people look at you and go, if they don't, if they don't gain adoption and they don't get traction, you, you don't want people to think that you're oh, here's this guy that's not contributing, right? So, all right. Um, second tactic is is use mind maps if you're working on discovery. If you're learning about 
the problem to solve or the initiative, use a mind map. And we will link a couple of examples and how to use it. But a mind map will help visualize the idea and all the various info all over the place that helps you get organized and helps you really visualize and put it all in one place. And it's easy to communicate via mind map because when you take this mind map and you go back and present it to your manager or the owner of maybe there's a product owner, program manager, or maybe there's a dev person, it helps you really get aligned to have this visual and show them, hey, here's where the problems are. Hey, here is this whole section of data that you completely are not even addressing or thinking about. So use that mind map in your discovery phase. Another thing is using one-on-ones to both acquire information in discovery and design. You know, as we go through this, you can kind of start to see that like a huge focus here is the assumption when you are brought onto a project, people are already in implementation. Um, and so the, the phases we're really talking about that you have to revisit is design and discovery, honestly. So use one-on-ones with managers, with key stakeholders, with the UX folks that are doing user research, or excuse me, not UX folks, but the user research folks. Have that one-on-one and gather the information from them. They've got a lot of institutional knowledge and background data to help you fill in the gaps. And then turn around and use those one-on-ones to share your ideas and, and test them out. If you think that the problem that everyone is solving is not the right one, shop it around via one-on-one. Have that one-on-one with the developer and go, hey, actually, maybe developer is not the right person to start with. Maybe start with a, uh, a stakeholder and go, this is what I see everyone doing. This is what I think the problem is. Do you think my theory about what the real problem is is correct? Use that one-on-one to kind of shop it around and, and gain some grassroots support, right? If a couple of people are now supporting this new idea that you came up with and that's the new direction people should go in, you know, if people are liking it, then that's going to really help you redirect. If people do not like what you're selling, you know, if you're the product person, you think this is the problem and you talk to one person, you talk to two or three other people and they all go, we don't think that's right. You might be doing something wrong here. Or, Or maybe you're just... In a, in a bad org that doesn't care about getting it right. They just want you to do the tasks. Well, then, you know, that's a, that's a different problem. All right. So use one-on-ones, um, product development lifecycle, absolutely use that framework. There are so many different ones. Product school has a, has a different framework. Um, a bunch of people have different product development life cycles. So find one that you like, map your work to that framework and allow that to, help, I guess, everyone organize their thoughts around what it is that you're, you're trying to do and, and, and why you're taking the time to share new information. All right. And uh, I guess the, the last thing is really related to the first thing, um, using, using big, big powwow meetings, may, maybe team status meetings or these big organizational gatherings to, to, to spread an idea once you've been able to vet it out right the the one warning is you don't want to take a brand brand new idea you haven't told anyone about it and 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 just tell like 20 different people you want to save space to prove out your idea first to make sure that it's it's on the right track before you go and try to say hey we're, we're not solving the right problem you know we are we didn't design it to solve what we think we designed I mean, I guess that's your choice, <laughs> Rob. I guess, I guess if someone feels that confident about their, their job and their assessment, go do that. If you're a VP, 
go ahead and do that. Um, but generally, if, if you want to be more safe about it, if you get a big group meeting to share an idea, maybe you shop it around a little bit before you go ahead and kind of disseminate all this info because, hey, if you're wrong, it's a big risk. That's a big bet. All right. Yeah. And I would, I would just jump in there and say like segmenting your stakeholders is super important, right? Like your senior leaders probably need a one-on-one and a, a quorum, right? So align on sort of prioritization and OKRs and how it benefits the regular groups, right? Um, your, you know, frontline folks, operations, software development, whatever, probably need, you know, a team meeting. You might want to meet with leaders on those teams, et cetera. To Tim's point, right, like there is definitely that risk and reward of coming in and being like, okay, I've been here for a month or two or three, and here's my idea for how it is that you're doing everything wrong, right? Like, <laughs> you you definitely want to adopt a little bit more of the servant's mindset, consultant mindset, right? Like, how do I come in here and add value to these folks, right, in a way that um, doesn't put anybody on the spot too much and doesn't really, you know, immediately sort of discount your ability to add value, right? Because if you come in and people are like, nope, you're a new guy or a new person, you're just coming in with your your own ideas, which has happened to me, by the way. And then they say, well, we don't really need or understand product. Then, you know, again, you've, you've put unnecessary capital out there. Um, and then you have to go back and sort of reclaim that capital. It's best to just make sure that things are aligned and transparent and visible. You're meeting with the right group of people. You're plugging into existing systems where you can. And then, you know, again, you can use your influence. You can go check out the influence series if you're looking for specific tips there um, in order to drive like the group contoured the right consensus for their level of engagement with the customer. Absolutely. And the product guys are firm believers and practitioners of servant leadership, right? We, we aim to help. The approach is always, hey, we're coming in. We want to help you. We want to help you do your jobs better. Uh, we're just here to support you, you know, because product people generally don't have the direct authority or managerial responsibilities of the, of the team um, you're really tangential there as, as a supporting stakeholder. So servant leadership, we're, we're kind of doing that. So without further ado, I've got a sob story. Is, can we call it a sob story? It's a, it's a lessons learned story about how I didn't effectively execute on product development uh, or the development out of order. I didn't use those tactics. And then, and then how I did use them and how it all worked out very well. So the first thing is, uh, when I first started a job, right, I, I was required to go in and do some marketing work. We were supposed to, the, the task there was to develop a marketing attribution model. You know, multi-touch attribution, it's just revenue attribution. Basically all large mature commerce companies will have some sort of revenue attribution model. So that was the task for me to go out and try to solve for this. And for maybe about a month, right? I didn't really know what to do because, you know, at that point, the developers have already worked on it for six months. There was a kind of program owner already, someone, a representative on the marketing team. And so I'm coming into this just not really knowing where to start. I didn't really 
at the time have the wisdom to go, oh, this is product development out of order. And so all I did was kind of like try to do some documentation, asked a bunch of questions. And it just took, it just dragged on for weeks because the developer didn't really know what they were doing. People around the company didn't really know what problem you were solving. They just heard, oh, it's this, it's this acronym, right? It's, it's attribution. And they don't really know what it's being done for. They just hear that it's a word. They fill in the blanks as to what it's supposed to do. And they, you know, don't really understand it. They, they really just, they, they just hear that it's this super high priority thing. And as a result, there really weren't deliverables, right? The, the developer never really felt comfortable delivering anything. There was, you know, one data scientist really delivering on, on the ask and the deliverable was not clear at all. You know, this data scientist was do, you know, very bright trying to do her best, but, you know, just not really sure what, what to deliver. Like, what is this, what is this attribution thing, right? And, and, and so it just dragged on without deliverables for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and well, at some point it clicked for me. For the same initiative, I realized that, well, the reason why there was so much confusion is because we don't know what the problem to solve was. We just jumped right into implementation phase. We gave it a name, define, you know, they, they kind of started with the solution and then just said, hey, go ahead and execute. That's what the, that's what the leadership folks is basically instructed. So as the light bulb went off and I realized that I needed to do product development out of order, I went back to discovery. I went back to the drawing board and was like, what are the, really the problems we're trying to do here? What are we trying to do here? And so you would go and gather that feedback from the stakeholders. And from there, you as the product person, you live in the program or in the problem space. And you can start to see key things that we were trying to solve. And the bigger issue is you're, trying to, you're starting to see key things that the company thinks you're trying to solve that actually cannot be solved with the solution that, that was proposed. You literally can get that response from your developer. You can get that response from looking at the data yourself. And you can see, well, these are the three different problems that the company needs to solve. And they think that this initiative is solving for that. But it's not. It's impossible. That is, it is absolutely like apples and oranges. You know, you're trying to, you're trying to you know, take a car to, to you know, fly, fly across the Atlantic. That, that just doesn't work. It doesn't jive. And so now that you've been able to, now that I was able to complete discovery and redefine these problems, now at the next, you know, product prioritization or roadmap planning session, you can start to present these thoughts, right? You, uh, what I first did was, okay, well, I did discovery. I figured out what I think is the right problems. And now I'm going through, I'm talking with my marketing stakeholders and go, hey, are these the problems that we're trying to solve? They tell me yes. And then I go to talk to my product managers and go, do these look like, you know, peer product managers? And then I ask them, do these look like the problems that a company are facing? They're like, yes. Okay. And so now my discovery is good. Now my discovery is good. And so my next step is I take this info and during roadmap planning, I can start to go, okay, well, these are the problems that we're trying to solve. And here's what we've done so far in terms of our attribution work. And you can directly map the solution back to one problem. And then you can start to uh, take the other issues and visualize them. Maybe you want to do a mind map. Maybe you want to do like a key drivers diagram and you want to show that to the, to the larger audience and go, hey, here are the things that you're trying to solve, but we actually can't solve it for this. 
But what you really want is some other things. You want to figure out budgeting. Well, you want to use marketing mix models. That can answer this question for you, you know, and, and start to like really map up starting with the problem and then going right into design and going, here are the solutions that you can implement to solve that problem. Not the attribution work. This other thing, this other solution, that's going to solve your problem. And then from there, you're now going to move on to the implementation phase where now you've got your problems, discovery. Now you've got your solutions and proposed solutions, design, and then you can move on to the implementation. And now one very confusing initiative becomes three or four very clear, very well-defined initiatives. And you can grow your team that way. You can further expand. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows the value and the problems that you're solving with, uh, with kind of the, the resources allocated. So a little bit of sob story turned into a little bit of a success story. That's it. Rob, you like that? I love that story. And, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that you just kind of continued to go back and, and ask the questions and kept things moving. And, um, you know, overall, I'll say, you know, again, at the risk of saying it too many times, no one gets this, all this stuff right. There's a lot of variables in it. So it's a lot of continuing to go back, make sure that everybody's got, you know, the right sort of view on things. And when I say the right view, I mean, a lot of times you're the mirror that the program or, or feature delivery team holds up to itself. Um, so if all this sounds very political, that's because it is, right? It's about <laughs> influence and polling and surveys and, you know, aligning with sort of group dynamics and, you know, influence and political favor. But ultimately, you know, you can be the compass that people use in order to figure out whether they're pointing toward the, the customer. And that's just what Tim did. So it's, I thought it was a great story. Oh, man. Yeah. No, Rob, Rob brings up a good point. Good product managers are great politicians. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and, and you just to jump in there for a second, you can be an honest politician in that, right? Like you can be transparent and, and move forward. Uh, not to take anything away from anyone who does not have the connotation that that all this stuff isn't true, but I just do. I like to say that, like you can you can one hundred percent do the right thing and do this work on behalf of the customer. Um, so please don't take uh, you know that the whole political uh, allegory to, to 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 mean any of the sort of negative connotations that you can see sometimes out there. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't become tricky, Dick Nixon. Don't get impeached. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I agree, right? And everyone will talk, right? So corporate America, people, especially newer in their career, are surprised at how, like, how, you know, insular it can be, how small the world can be, how much conversation happens around the water cooler. It's fine, right? But just understand, like, the value in being transparent is that there's nothing to come back and say, Rob had this conversation with me, but he said something completely different to you. What does that mean? And then you've eroded that currency of trust, right? Oh, yes. Uh, this goes back to influence. Once you lose that trust, dude, yes. Once you lose that trust, very, very hard to get that back. So uh, protect that trust above all else. So, all right. Well, wrapping it up, uh, development, product development out of order. Follow the product development lifecycle. Try to figure out which phase you're in. Use the tactics we talked about. And uh, profit, I guess. Always. So, it's always always profit. Step. Always profit. Uh, unless you're a startup. Then you just need to grow. It's not exactly. profitable. So anyway, uh, 
Signing off. Tim Who, Rob, see you. Have a good one.